Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. good stuff yeah it's the laugh podcast over there is uh ryan two frames bull howdy how are you sir doing well it's been a while but i like this back to reviewing films we're back to reviewing films this is a film that you can watch on oh i'm the l train by the way how's everybody doing out there also known as richard lust <laughs> yeah uh some of my kids in my film class are calling me l train hey l train <laughs> like hello yeah they like that nickname. <laughs> Apparently they do. So if you're listening, hey. <laughs> so what are we reviewing this week? All right, this week's movie is a thriller that's, I don't know, I don't guess it's in theaters, but it's playing on DirecTV. I saw it on DirecTV. You can rent it, I think, on Amazon also. Uh, we had a hard time getting to the movies that we wanted to see because the movies that we wanted to see weren't around here. Midnight Special, The Green Room. So I gave you an invitation to watch The Invitation, thinking that you might like it because The Gift was one of your mm-hmm. favorite movies from last year, and it seemed to be in that same style, tension, psychological thriller sort of thing. God, this thing is so official. Maybe they're overcompensating. It's kind of hard to call everybody up out of the blue after two years. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a lot to talk about. So much to celebrate tonight. Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. Everybody, this is my friend Pruitt. Bars on the windows and no? Security. Safer. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. Well, Jesus. Has it been like this a lot? So agitated. How has he been handling things? He can be self-destructive. I think he's doing the best he can. This is director Karen Kusama's fourth movie Mm -hmm. uh she directed eon flux and jennifer's body which what did you think of that jennifer's body never ended up seeing it oh really it's not as bad as people say it is and i kind of liked eon flux um she don't forget girl fight oh yes her her most famous movie probably was her initial movie girl fight it gave her a lot of uh i guess traction moving into and then she sort of like lost a lot of it cashed a lot of it in with Eon Flux and then lost it all with Jennifer's body. But uh she's made a comeback. She directs a lot of T V episodes of stuff. Uh uh Man in the High Castle is one I saw. Yeah, and then she did the AMC one about uh Silicon Valley. Uh caught in catch fire or something. Oh, okay. All right. Well uh this is written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, who uh they were last the screenwriters for Clash of the Titans. The movie R.I.P.D. and Ride Along. <laughs> but I think they also were behind um, Jennifer's Body and uh, Eon Flux and mm-hmm. uh, Girl Fight. So this stars Logan Marshall Green as the uh, young Will who receives uh, an invitation, the title, 
of the movie, The Invitation. He receives an invitation to go to a dinner party at his formal, former house with uh, his ex-wife, Eden, I think. Mm-hmm. Played by Tammy Blanchard and her new husband, David. Played by uh, Michael Huseman. And he takes on this, uh, he accepts this invitation. He heads off with his girlfriend to uh, this house and things start to unravel from there. Yeah, he feels something's off. He's worried that these people have sinister plans. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt that you were the only sane person in the room? Uh, most days when I'm teaching. <laughs> aside from that. Uh, aside from that? Yeah, with adults. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Like, have you ever tried to convince people, a group of people, of something uh, who were so diametrically opposed to what you believed? Yes. And you were the only one standing there? The lone man. Yes, I, I have uh, purposely put myself in situations where I've been with people who have very different political or religious views than myself. Is it so that you could take them on like that? <laughs> no, it's also, I mean, just trying to experience what they value and just, you know, trying to be open-minded. Does that work as a movie plot? Because that's sort of the plot of this movie. This guy, well, that and the insanity that ensues. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a... The psychological tension in the movie might not really be seen in a political discussion. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is who is crazy and do we trust what we're seeing through Will's eyes? Because we find out that he and his wife uh, dissolve their marriage because of a tragic event and that neither of them still seems to have dealt with it fully yeah it's all about dealing one of the major themes is dealing with grief and how do you how do you sort of transfer uh feelings of grief and sadness mm-hmm. over time and i think there's an expression that all, time takes care of everything but i don't even know if that's necessarily true here it's a few short years maybe three yeah. Since the death of their child. And uh, he's come back to the house that I guess the kid grew up in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all sort of early in the movie, so it's not revealing too much. And all the people at the dinner party were there the day the kid died. He died at like a barbecue. Well, see, now that wasn't really ever clear to me. Oh, that was my understanding that they were all there. And I hey, thought you see yeah. them. There, there's a flashback to. Well, there are event. some flashbacks to the thing, but I, I don't know. The, the 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 flashback sequences didn't work for me, and they didn't really develop much of uh, clarity on on what the child was dealing with. So I want to get back to that because I, I I wonder how how much of that influences the way that Will feels now. And and I didn't get that from the movie, but I think that might be kind of spoilerific. If I started to ask you the the specific questions that I wanted to ask you. I think more generally, though, uh, I guess I I don't even know what you think of this movie. We haven't had a chance to talk about it at all. Uh, Yeah, it's a suspense movie. We've been watching a fair amount of suspense movies the last couple months that we haven't talked about on the podcast. uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane and The Witch. Uh Both were films that we liked. I like this film. This is slow. This is probably the slowest of those three. Right. And... it's good if you can get through the whole thing. One of the problems with suspense movies sometimes is you just want to get to the end. You want to be able to have said you've seen the whole film so you can appraise everything that happened throughout the whole thing. So you're... you're Right. 
Like, I mean, there are things that are revealed at the end of the movie, like any movie reveals stuff at the end. Right. But a lot of times suspense movies, you know that they are purposely holding back on plot details till the end. And this movie is definitely doing that. And I was like, I'm enjoying this. And I was watching this late at night and I kept thinking, well, maybe I'll just go to bed and finish this the next day. But then something would happen. I'm like, all right, I'll give this another 10 minutes. And before I knew it, I'd watch the whole film. Okay. So... I did enjoy it. So you had a fairly enjoyable of those yeah. three movies that you mentioned. The problem was I then had to go to bed and the dog apparently heard something and started barking. So I was a little freaked out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it, it even had an impact on you psychologically. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, well, that, uh, you're able to enjoy it intellectually. And then there was something yeah. in the movie that made you, I was a little, you know, little put off by some of the stuff that happens in the movie. And huh. I mean, you know, it happens in a home. So I was watching this late at night and then my dog starts barking. I'm like, oh, that's a little disconcerting. Okay. So Well, I, that's, that is high praise for the type of movie because I think that's exactly what the filmmakers were going for yeah. is that level of tension and then also kind of freak out the audience a little bit. Yeah. What'd you think? I hate it. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be one of those podcasts. <laughs> no, I appreciated it for what it was doing. I, I didn't have the same experience that you did. It's interesting that you noted it's uh, along those same lines of Cloverfield Lane, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and The Witch. All three of those movies are highly rated by the critics around, well, I think Cloverfield Lane might be the, the lowest rated in terms of um, you know Rotten Tomatoes. This is probably the highest rated. Mm-hmm. I think this is around but all of them are around 90 percent well now if you look at what the audience has to say the audience hated the witch the audience was somewhat um yeah i don't know maybe hesitant on cloverfield lane i think that they didn't like some elements of it Uh, maybe we can talk about it a little bit later but of all the three the audience kind of liked the invitation more than the three movies that uh we're talking about now and Hmm. for me it's the other way around Although all three movies have a redemptive thing happen, as far as I'm concerned, in the second half, or actually at the end of the movie. Oh, this one had two. I know what you're talking about, but there was a fantastic moment about halfway through the movie. There's a guy, John Carroll Lynch, who is Pruitt? Pruitt. Pruitt. Pruitt in the film. He, He comes in about halfway through. He's a friend of um eden and uh, uh david right the, he, he the comes family, in or the, uh, and he's one of these character actors you've seen him in a million things you'll recognize his face right away i recognized him right away as drew carey's brother steve from the drew carey show okay who in later seasons married mimi the hideously make-uped woman okay on that show okay so later on in the film there is an unintentionally hilarious moment Okay. Because I was thinking of him as the whole time as Drew Carey's brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Do you know what I'm talking about now? No, I have no idea because I never watched the Drew Carey show. So. Oh, was, so you don't know who Mimi very... Bobek was? No. Oh, she, it's a, it's she quite was, a rat hole. That she was just this hideous woman okay, who was no. mean and cruel and no. just made Me... Drew's life miserable. In no. one episode, she sent him to China. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting though that you do mention that guy because this whole movie is a whole is it, the first forty minutes of this movie is a, uh, an exercise in hey I know that guy oh wait I've seen that dude in something else uh, he was Marge Gunderson's wife in Fargo 
or husband, sorry. Oh, Marge okay. Gunderson's uh, husband in Fargo, Norm, and I had just seen him in uh, Zodiac. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in the movie Zodiac, and he was one of the people that they thought may have been Zodiac. So I, he, he has that sort of tone um, in terms of typecasting. Uh, that Logan Marshall Green guy was in uh, Prometheus and Devil, another movie that has a pretty good ending, mm-hmm. I think. I like the ending of that. To me, he looks like Tom Hardy. I kept looking at him. I was like, ah, he looks like Tom Hardy. He's playing like Tom Tom Hardy. And uh, David, that guy David, is Dario Naris in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Michael Huseman? Yeah. Yeah, he's been great. He was in uh, Wild, the Reese Witherspoon movie, Age of Adeline. My wife really liked him in that. didn't see either one of those two. Um, but I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. And then he was in the Paul Verhoeven highest grossing Dutch movie of all time, The Black Book. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there, there's... <laughs> way more but he's one of those guys you feel like could blow up and become a big movie star well but not only that in terms of me watching this movie every three or four minutes someone someone else would come to this party or at one point they throw in a videotape of a guy and i'm like hey i recognize that guy too he was the uh, father in carnival (laughs) from uh, hbo so uh, there was a a whole litany of those things and and it didn't necessarily detract from my enjoyment of the movie but it made me stop and have to like get outside of the movie, you know. Yeah. It, it it caused me to pause and like back away from it. It was a little. It kind of tilted me out. So in terms of working on me, the story didn't have a chance necessarily to work on me. Yeah, originally it was supposed to have a better known cast in it. Uh, Luke Wilson was attached. Zachary Quinto, the guy who plays Spock in the new uh-huh. films, Topher Grace, and Johnny Galecki, who's on The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> right. And also originally it was, yeah, it was going to be made for a lot more money. Uh, it was going to be a studio picture, but the studio didn't like some elements of the script. And so a lot of the cast left and now it was made for, I think right under a million dollars. They made Hmm. the whole film. They filmed it in 25 days. Okay. So, and they did it because they wanted to make their own film. A lot of these people, the writer and the director, or the writers, I should say, and the director, they were tired of studio interference and they just wanted to make a film that was deep and personal to themselves. I don't think it made the movie any, any less having actually having lesser known actors probably elevated it a little bit more because you would have had expectations Mm -hmm. that I'm not sure that the movie could pay off in a big way for those. Maybe it did for you, for me. Mm, I don't know. I, the movie relies a lot on logical leaps. And I always, when I see a movie about interpersonal relationships, I always kind of sit back and think, hmm, would I be acting this way in this situation? And the answer invariably is no. Mm. And I could never understand why the main character did the things that he did. And I tried to put myself into his headspace. And I never could because I never would have accepted the invitation. <laughs> you have just never gone to the I dinner I never party. would have gone to the dinner party. Not I never would have gone to the dinner party. I broke up with a girl. I, I dated a girl for th- three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were engaged at one point or close to being engaged. And she was like, uh, when she broke up with me, I went to her the next day. And I said, you realize I'll never see you again. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't trying to be cruel. I said, but you, you, you broke my heart. And... I, I do not want to put myself in that position to have my heart broken again. And I, there's no way I, I can't see you with another person. I, I'm not going to, you know, hang out and try to be your friend. It's you, over. You never saw her. I never saw her again. I left my vacuum cleaner and my box set of the Lord of the Rings in her house. 
So darn. Yeah. Dark. So I could not see myself doing the things they did. But even when I was at, even if for some reason I found myself at the party, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't behave the way that he did at the party. And I, I couldn't, I, I, I don't know for that reason. And that reason alone, I wasn't able to get over and really appreciate it for the tension and the performance and the atmosphere and all that other stuff that made it a better film than it would have been. Otherwise, for me, it just it it didn't work because I just couldn't. Well, you know, I'm not a human being, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I think the acting's good. If you watch the trailer, I think it gives you a good idea of the tone. The pacing is slow. And yeah, but it's, it's not really going to pick up. The witch is pretty slow. Uh, we decided not to do a review of that. <laughs> I mean, I think we both like that film, but it's a hard film to recommend to people. Uh, this is a slightly easier film to recommend to people. Yeah, it's it's pretty standard. I think people I think. will discover this on Netflix as like a free streaming movie. This will be something, you know, in four years, some kid will be like, Mr. Bull, you ever see The Invitation? I'll be like, yeah, I reviewed it. <laughs> Go listen episode to episode 137 or 138. Yeah. Um, the score. I like the score a lot. Uh, terrible movie. Well, not a terrible movie, but a, a decent decent score elevated the movie somewhat. Uh, Theodore Shapiro. He scored Mr. Woodcock. <laughs> Dodgeball, Idiocracy, and Zoolander 2. But he's also behind uh, Danny Collins. And uh, which is a movie I kind of liked from a couple of years ago, and the movie Trumbo. Okay. So this guy's sort of all over the place, and he started, I think, with uh, Jennifer's Body and uh, what was a girl fight. So I think he was involved. Uh, he didn't start with that, but he was one of her uh, collaborators. Uh, I think we mentioned the director Karen Kusama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she likes collaborating with these people, and I think for the most part, um, I guess she she did what she wanted to do. She made a she made the movie she wanted to make. And I, and I, I think the score was probably one of the best parts of it. I mean, it doesn't look like a million dollar movie. I mean, it's got very good production values. It's going to make its money back. I bet it probably already has. Yeah. If you, I think it made 900 and something thousand in the theaters when it was released in theaters. Okay. Yeah. I think, so, you know, it, it's, or maybe it was 98. It's interesting. The, the problem is there's a lot of plot that we don't want to spoil. It's one of those movies you want to discover for yourselves. I mean, in fact, there's even stuff in the first half hour of the film that you don't want to spoil for people. Yeah, because it just ruins the experience yeah. of having it, seen it. So, so enjoy. Can we get to spoiler? The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I'm going to assume you did not watch this with your uh, wife. Actually... We saw what she. We saw what happened. You're talking about the. the yeah. The, now that the, we're in spoilers, we right. could spoil the first two minutes of the film. Yeah. You're talking about the coyote tension. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a flash to what happens when he hits that animal, and she's like, "Oh my god, did they hit a dog?" And I had to mute it, and she turned her head away, and I watched what happened. But that was it. Was played out. It was stretched out for a while, uh, and I guess that that's part of the pacing of the movie. Like that little vignette acts as a. Um, you know, it tells a lot about the character and it, and it mm-hmm. acts as a thematic uh, replica of what's going to happen in the rest of the movie. Um, but they don't really, they, they, when they come back to it, oh, so it basically he hits the dog and he smashes the dog's head in with a the tire coyote. iron. Coyote, yeah, coyote. Well, they're all dogs to me. 
but he's putting it out of, his, out of its misery, right? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really, that's not really how it plays out in the film for the rest of the film. What does that, what does that reveal to you about him? I mean, did you like that part of it or? No, I was like, huh? Oh, I guess Lusk is already put off by this film. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, yeah, that happened. It's, they're definitely telling you there's going to be violence in this film and it's going to be brutal and shocking. It's going to jump out of nowhere. So while a lot of the dinner party stuff was slow in the conversation, you always felt like, all right, we're going to have violence showing up here soon. But he wasn't violent. No, he was pragmatic. He did what was necessary. No, but he was, I mean, the blood splatters on his face and it gets everywhere. And, you know, I mean, he has to be, he has to do a violent thing, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he is in the same situation with the same stakes later on in the movie. I, I don't think that there's much of a, connection there like in terms of like doing what you're going to do with this character and what he's capable of you would i would want that to be bookended with something else and i just didn't see that in the rest of the movie another thing that bothered me was um you said the flashbacks sort of revealed what happened to the kid how, how did he die i, I missed that. baseball bat the kids were swinging around did apparently got hit in just the head. accidentally yeah he said some at some point i should have never given him the baseball bat okay and i'm like hey Baseball bat, kid. Yeah, they can. I mean, it's sad. Of course, it's, it's sad. Kid. I didn't get it in the movie, though. Yeah, yeah. This kid got hit with a baseball bat and died. They didn't show it. He just kind of talked about it then. Yeah, the, the flashback's really brief, and I thought I saw most of the actors in there. That's why I assumed everyone at the dinner party had been there on that day, and they really hadn't seen each other since then. And I, I couldn't. I, I didn't see enough of it. It didn't the flashback sequences did not work at all. But I might have been bumped by other things. I might have been like looking up who uh, uh, John Carroll Lynch was at the time or Tammy Blanchard or something. I didn't think uh, it did enough to to show the motivation of that guy to be the way that he was. To just be despondent over the death of his son? They well, just broke him? Yeah, but then it... How old was the kid? Ten? or 12 or something i I didn't think he was that old but yeah somewhere around there you don't think that that would break up i I told you once i break up a marriage but i don't think you'd ever go back to the 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 person you wouldn't go back to the house which i I don't know maybe you you know you're trying to see if you're over it i I told you i I knew a guy he uh accidentally killed his uh son and it just ruined his marriage yeah i I mean i don't want to go into a lot of details but the kid was a baby and it was just a complete accident right but he completely blamed himself and I think his wife even, you know, deep down blamed him and it just, it ended their marriage. Yeah, sure. And I mean, they were people and I do think that they still love each other and had feelings, but unfortunately the death of their child made it so that they just could not continue along on the same path. Well, it's, it's a trope, but it's a trope and it's a stereotypical thing that happens because it actually happens. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, families for the most part, unless there's some siblings, it's hard to maintain a relationship with somebody after that oh, yeah. sort of tragedy happens to both of them. But she, okay. So the wife Eden just sort of acts like a Looney Tunes, crazy person for most of the movie. Like the, yeah. I was laughing. Yeah. But it seemed like it seemed so out of place for the rest of the movie, especially in terms of the way that will was acting. I just felt like, are the, all these people crazy? I wouldn't be surprised if they were all crazies as they, I was watching it. Well, then, I mean, they're just, she slaps the one guy right. out, of the blue. out of the blue. Later on, they go, you guys are going to think we're in a cult, but we're not in a cult. And I'm like, well, you're in a cult. 
Yeah, well, if you ever say you're not in a cult, you're in a cult. But you knew that when they showed the video, right? Was this before the video? Oh, this was before the video. We want to share something yeah. with you. If any time someone wants to share something with you, it means that they want to push their views on you. And they're like, right. we don't want to push our views on you, but well, let's they, watch this. Yeah, but they, who sits around at a dinner party and watches a video on a, on a, a woman laptop? Of a woman suicide? Yeah. I, I, I mean, but it's like Amway. It's like an Amway cult. I, I, I just couldn't see anybody. I couldn't see the whole lot of them just sitting back going, oh. Well, one guy at the end kind of was like, what the heck was that? What did you show us? Why yeah, did but you show he that? He wouldn't do that. I don't know. I don't think oh, it would have done that at the end. But there would have been the, like the holy crap moment that happens at the beginning of that. would have, Or at the end of that. It should have happened at the beginning. I don't know. I think people are just trying to be polite and social conventions and giving people slack because they know what they went through. And yeah, but later I, I on, thought it was always uh, so bizarre. And then when P- Pruitt starts talking about killing his wife, right, and I'm thinking of right. Mimi from the Drew Carey show. Oh boy, this is darkly, darkly humorous, uh-huh. and I'm not sure if it's intentioned or not. But I'm like, yeah, oh, this is amusing. Let me see where else they go with this. Uh-huh. Wherever they were going, they were they were going uphill, and it took a long time for them to get to the top. And then yeah. one, once they did, and I'm, I'm not sure of the payoff. All right, let me put it this way: the last shot, the last shot, is the best thing in the movie. Some people feel it's the worst thing. It is the it is it almost redeems the rest of the movie for me. Anyway, I was like, holy crap, that's great. That connects everything because. You hear the barking in the distance. You hear the family screaming or whatever. And you realize that there have been several invitations sent out at the same time to several different locations. And then there's the police helicopters and everything. And everyone just happens to have joined the suicide cult and owns a million-dollar mansion up in the hills of Oh, no. I get that it's all ridiculous. But the whole movie is ridiculous in terms of, you know, where you're headed anyway. Like, I, I had to suspend my disbelief for most of the movie. So having to spend my disbelief just a little bit more here, it did it for me. I was like, ah, all right, okay. Well, then that, now that makes sense. The blue light now makes sense here. Well, I love it's like, why are you locking the doors? It's like, calm down, calm down. It's okay. He just He likes to lock his doors. <laughs> yeah, and he just has doors like that. that you can't open from the inside. You can lock it so people on the outside can't get in. But on the inside, you can't get out. <laughs> yeah. Why do you? Okay, I'll unlock the door. Right, he I'll locks the doors the door. a little later. I know, I know. But at the end, when you're right, I mean, not every single person that lives in the Hollywood Hills is going to be suffering from the loss of a child, <laughs> and thus <laughs> that it happened. Searching for me. <laughs> that, oh. that it happened at a uh, a cookout three years prior to this. What I liked was it was an unexpected twist. The thing I don't like is now do we have the sequel, The Invitations, <laughs> right? No, you don't need the sequel. I mean, that, I don't think that's the story they want to tell. Hopefully not, but I could see someone going, oh, yeah, let's go see more dinner parties. Let, let's make it like The Purge. It reminded me of the ending here. It reminded me of Rise of the Machines, Terminator 3. <laughs> Which was a horrible movie all the way until the very end, and then they have the nut, the... They had the sack to have that ironic twist ending where everything that they'd done leading up to this was futile. <laughs> yeah. 
And and Skynet was always going to happen. Skynet was going to happen no matter what you did. And here you are. And the, watch the, the watch Rome burn from your from your mountaintop retreat. And that's what these people were. They were like, and he just kind of reaches over and grabs her hand. You see everybody in the hills has the same red blue lantern, light. Yeah. yeah. Was it red? I thought it was blue. I thought it was a red lantern. I thought it was a blue lantern. I don't know. Either way, there was a signal out there. Right? Yeah. If you see the movie, you should write in and let us know. <laughs> what color was the, the last podcast? What color was the lamp? Right. Uh, and so you would not recommend this to people? Again, it's like The Witch or Cloverfield Lane. I would only recommend them to people so that I could talk to them about it. You know, Tony loved it. Ironically, my fiance really loved the movie. She was like, once it got going, it was really good. I was like, once it got going. An hour and 15 minutes into the 90-minute movie? It's like, come on. She goes, no, it was good before that. I was like... The problem is you figure out pretty quickly they're not going to to tell you more information. They're building to the last 10 minutes. In the last 10 minutes will be really quick. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Okay. I, I feel in that regard where I think that's why I liked 10 Cloverfield Lane more because they keep building, they keep changing the plot around you keep finding out more details that shift stuff around the gift is the same way well there's a little bit of um with 10 cloverfield lane anyway three characters have three levels of interaction and then it changes Mm -hmm. uh sometimes they behave one way with each other sometimes they behave another way and then you're not really sure who's who and who's what and what they're all thinking this movie uh, Chris, or sorry, Will, Logan Marshall Green's pretty much the same way all the way through. He's sort of just a cipher. And then at the end, he has to kind of act a little bit, but... Even then. Yeah. Even then, it wasn't enough for me. <laughs> it wasn't enough for me. Uh, I mean, I have some nitpicky things I could talk about, but I don't, I don't necessarily want to... It, 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 because there's so many plausible things that you have to sort of get over, if you're willing to get over them, I guess you can have a pretty good time. For me, I was willing to get over him at the very last shot. And I was like, huh, wow. I hated it up until the last shot. And I didn't hate it. I, I was not enjoying myself at all. So this is like going to a restaurant and you don't like the appetizer. You didn't really like the main course. But then you had an amazing dessert. The last bite of the <laughs> dessert is much better than even the other stuff. Uh, your fiance goes, do you want to try a bite of mine? <laughs> You're like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You didn't even like your dessert. No. But you liked her dessert. Yep. You're like... Maybe we should come back so I can get that dessert. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But it, that's the only thing you order. Fair enough. The invitation. The invitation. So. All right. So this week, I'm going to go see Elvis and Nixon. Is that for the review for next week? I, that I think that's what I'm going to say. You, you might go see something else. If we see Midnight Special, we might do Midnight Special. Yeah. We're recording this pretty early in the week. We don't know where uh, or and how many theaters it's going to be in. Bot's right. Office Mojo didn't even list Midnight Special as making any money this weekend, which has to be a, an anomaly. There's there's something wrong there, because it was in a bunch of theaters. Someone saw it. Somebody went and saw that movie. Yeah. so It's well, being fairly well received. I I'm hoping they expand it out. So we, uh, if that's out around us, I will see Midnight Special. Midnight Special, Green Room, or uh, Elvis and Nixon. What if all three of them aren't around? Because uh, well, uh, Elvis and Nixon's only coming to 2,000 theaters. It's got to hit here. Yeah, it'll be out. Right. 2000, that's big. They really yeah, must feel big. good about this film. Yeah, I think uh, Winter's War is 3,500 plus. Oh, yeah. But I still think, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to do very well. No. We also need to start getting into our summer 
box office challenge, man. Oh yeah, we need to do a preview At show some point, here soon. We have to do a preview show, so all that stuff is going to be coming down the pike. Right. Um, sorry, I'm not terribly prepared. I, I was a little distracted today because my new edition of Cinefets came. Oh, the online magazine? No, no the special effects magazine Ooh. featuring this month or this two month, which is uh, this is for April and May. Batman, Superman, Deadpool, The Fifth Wave, and Hail Caesar. Oh yeah, so all right. I'm. I'm very excited. A lot of uh, cinematic effects in Hail Caesar. There was actually quite a bit. Yeah, well, people want to know what we think of Batman versus Superman. Uh, the more distance I get from it, the more I like it. Oh, okay. You? Yeah, I probably feel the same way. I'm very excited to watch the director's cut that comes out, the R-rated one, and supposedly the, the first cut of the film was close to four hours, and when I heard that, I was like, that's awesome. You I want to see that. You think the director's cut's going to be four hours? Uh, they'll probably add 20 or 30 minutes. So it'll, it'll be right under three hours. Are right? they going to add nudity no. for the R-rated version? No, I think it's just going to be uh, a little bit more brutal fight scenes. That's about it. And cussing for verisimilitude? Maybe, yeah. You throw in a couple curse words to huh. just bounce it up there. But I think it's mostly just going to be the brutality of the violence. <laughs> okay. So more cartoony sort of CGI stuff. I don't know. That Batman stuff, that was pretty, right. pretty awesome in the warehouse. Uh, the more distance I get away from it, the more I like it, but I don't, you know, it, it, I, I think the more criticism it receives, the more I like it. The thing that all the critics got wrong with the film and they go, oh, why couldn't they make this like Marvel? Marvel benefits from being a first generation um, movie. All those Marvel ones. Like this is the first time we're seeing someone play Iron Man with Batman Tons of actors have already played Batman. We've seen Batman stories time and time again. Lots of people have played Superman. There have been lots of Superman stories. But most of us really aren't that familiar with Iron Man or Captain America, uh, uh, Black Widow, you know, all those type characters. So Marvel tertiary characters to the Marvel universe. Marvel benefits from that, where they have a lot of material to pull from, but the the general public isn't well aware of these stories. They don't have preconceived notions about Mm -hmm. who Superman and Batman should be, like they they did for this movie. The public, the the public does have, yeah. Um, Now there are no preconceived notions for the general public for Suicide Squad characters, Mm -hmm. although there is a lot of buzz surrounding the movie. Does Suicide Squad outperform Batman v Superman in the box office? Uh, Domestically, be, maybe not. Uh, domestically, it'll be close. Right now, Batman Superman's like three ten, I yeah. think somewhere around there. I could see Suicide Squad doing about three hundred, anywhere from about two fifty. Batman v Superman drops off considerably after next week with Civil War coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah, but it's still going to get close to a billion dollars, which it's still making money. Well, it's doing a franchise thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, but are you excited about Su- Suicide Squad? Oh yeah, more excited than you would have been before Batman v Superman. Or no, nah, it didn't really change my feelings okay. towards Suicide Squad. All right. Um. So. So. Yeah, right. that's our mini review of Batman. Yeah, mini v review Superman. of Batman v Superman. So. Month late. <laughs> well. Welcome. Run out and see it. Elvis Presley says, or said, famously, "I have no use for bodyguards." But I have a very specific use for two highly trained certified public accountants. <laughs> That's our movie quote for the week, for the week or the month or the last two months. It's not even from a movie. It's from Elvis Presley. So, uh, for 
Mr. Two Frames, Ryan Bull over there on the L train, Richard Lust, Pocket the Bone, my brother. There be dragons. Are you going to the movies this weekend? Let Laugh know what you saw. Send in your review by emailing the show at thelaughpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting at the Laugh Podcast, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash the Laugh Podcast. The best comments will get read on a future show. movie stars Logan Marshall Green as a young Will. Looks a little bit like Tom Hardy, that guy. I kept thinking, hmm, Tom Hardy. So what's his role in the movie? What's what's he doing? Will. His name is Will. And he's married to a girl who uh, is played by, I don't have her now. I don't have her down here. Do you have this, his, his wife? His girlfriend, Kira? Oh, I thought he was married to her. I believe it's just his girlfriend. Uh, Imatsi Corey Nandley. I'm not even gonna try to do yeah, that. That's yeah. Thanks for throwing that one at me. <laughs> All right. Uh, 